Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. This is a very special episode. It marks number 150. It's hard to believe that it's been three years since we began our podcast, but we've had a chance to to reach out to all 50 states and number of countries. And Chris, I want to thank you for just being a, a big part of that. That has been a, a pleasure, and I mean that sincerely, my friend. Well, we've had some other guys that have been on with us as co-hosts. I think about Micah Powell and Zach Lee. Both were there for us, came alongside. Um, but really, Chris, it was you and Micah and I who started this craziness and now we're over 21,000 downloads. I think it's about 90 different countries. And that just, well, all of it kind of blows my mind to know um, that God is using our little podcast to reach student ministry workers really around the world. And so it's it's a big deal. Yeah, it certainly has outgrown what we ever <laughs> dreamed that it would be. I don't know if we had dreams of what it would be, to be honest. I just know that we kind of had a, a shared vision and desire to to help and man, praise the Lord that he's done with it more than we could ever have imagined or, uh, or done on our own. You know, I think back to those early days and I kept thinking, all right, are we going to have anybody listen? That was a big question for me. <laughs> and then would we get past 25 episodes? I mean, there's so much what's called pod fade in this world where people will put out 10 episodes and then they're done and they'll forget about it. Uh, but you've been there for me consistently and we've kept going the weeks that I couldn't record, you were there. And so big thanks for you. I appreciate that very much. So well, thank you, Dan. Well, one another person that we want to thank, or another people, I guess, that we want to thank is Central Baptist College. They're our podcast sponsor. They are there for us, and, and we want to be there for them. It's a place that you can have your students check out. Whatever their next step in their educational journey is, have them go to cbc.edu. You can set up an appointment uh, to visit the campus or just talk with an admissions counselor and find out more about it. Um, so I just encourage you to do that. Again, that is cbc.edu. Well, listeners, we wanted to make this an extra special episode. And so even though you can't see, see us on this podcast, uh, we have invited back two of our favorite guests of all time. 150 episodes. Um, we went and selected the cream of the crop. And so we have them on here today as we're going to talk about something that really affects every student ministry worker um, in one form or another. And so I want to introduce my guest, and then I'm going to let Chris introduce his. My guest is Temple Carson. She is my wife, and she has been my wife for nearly 30 years. We have two kids. We have two crazy dogs. She loves tea. She's a professional counselor. 
and the list could go on. She's got a whole bunch of letters behind her name, and I'm so proud uh, to call her my wife. And so welcome to the podcast, Temple. Thank you. Chris, why don't you introduce <laughs> your guest? <laughs> wow. I'm, Temple, I was blown away by that. Uh, that was, I just want to say that was so amazing. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, my guest is my lovely wife, uh, Sydney, and Sydney and I have been married for almost 11 years now, and uh, we have two boys, and uh, we have four pets, two dogs and two cats. None of them were my choice, but they were all <laughs> whoa, whoa, ultimately whoa. my fault. And so uh, anyway, not really sure which direction this podcast is going to go now that we've started this, but anyway, Sydney... Very thankful for you and for you being on our podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Well, Sydney Temple, we have we have some important things that we want to talk to you about because you come with unique perspective. You chose to marry us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it boils down to. You you made a decision. I know at least for Temple, and I think Sydney, you're the same way, that you went into that relationship knowing that you were marrying a minister. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. And so... I think knowing needs to be in quotation marks. Well, they couldn't see the air quotes here on the podcast. but (laughs) So what I wanted to do was just ask you guys some things about that experience and then maybe some words of advice you'd have for the youth pastors that are listening, Uh, maybe some words that you'd have for those uh, those churches, if if somebody could hear this podcast and you could say to them, hey, do this, this would be better for your situation and those people. But I want to start off with something. If you have a spare afternoon, what are you going to do with your time? Sydney, you start us. That is the easiest question on the planet. I'm going to take a nap. And yes, that's- yes, she will. <laughs> she will. Okay. <laughs> I love naps. I'll probably start by reading a book and then peacefully drift off into a nap. It may be 10 minutes. It may be three hours. Nobody's going to know. But if I have an afternoon, that's probably what I'm going to do. I love to nap. I love it. No shame. No shame. How about you, Temple? My afternoon starts with a glass of tea. Yes. (laughs) And I probably sit on the couch and I don't have any housework, right? Right. So I'm going to like read a book or I'm going to paint. Okay. Do some kind of crafty thing. My wife is a crafty girl. She loves using that. <laughs> and she does it with her with her clients as well and play therapy. And so it's a very cool thing. But let's get our conversation started, staying focused on, on student ministry. What have you enjoyed about being a minister's wife, a student ministry worker's wife? What do you think, Temple? My first answer is not the lock-ins. <laughs> yes, and Amen. <laughs> We have we have a clear stance on this podcast. Just say no to lock-ins, okay? No. We've we've said that repeatedly <coughs> over the years, and so all right. So Temple, especially if you're over the age of like 24, just don't do it. Correct. Um, what have I enjoyed? There's a lot of things that I have enjoyed, so it's kind of hard to. I love meeting people. I love the people that I go to church with. I love. I don't know how to answer that because it's so broad. It's like. Am I supposed to answer that as the ministry or as your wife? <laughs> there are some things that are unique about being a youth pastor's wife. You, you're around students and those type of things. So what have you enjoyed about that? 
I like that working with, with the youth that um, it kind of, you can do crazy things yourself. You can um, have fun with kids. People tend to not think much of it when you do weird things, <laughs> but I just like working with youth. I just like teenagers and I um, like hanging out with teenagers and like um, teaching them. I like being with them. I like doing silly songs with them. I, I just like teenagers. How about you, Sydney? Yeah, I would say something really similar. I, I mean, Temple and I are very similar in the fact that we love people. And I think that's one of the reasons we love each other so much. But <laughs> I just, I love teenagers. Um, youth ministry wasn't always the first thing that we thought of when Chris was planning to go into ministry. Um, not that we don't love students, but that just wasn't kind of where we saw ourselves landing and so when we did, um, I was super excited, but didn't really know what to expect. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed teenagers. Teenagers are just a different breed, but they're fun and they're vulnerable and they'll tell you like it is. And I just love them. And then also one of the really cool things about being married to a minister is we've had the opportunity to go a lot of places and meet a lot of people. Um, and just our network growing in that way. We never know, you know, going to speak at a camp or going to a conference or whatever. I love, love, love getting to meet new people and make relationships that way. So I think that's really unique in what Chris chose to do as a job and that me and the boys get to join along and meet those people as well. So you brought up your kids, got to ask, do they both love meeting new people like you do? Yes and no. So Carson loves it. Carson would talk to a wall <laughs> very much like his father um, and he loves it and he he can have his shy moments but for the most part especially adults he's a little more shy with peers but with adults he really he loves that and he loves to get to know people Elliot's the opposite Elliot's a little more on the shy side and adults kind of freak him out <laughs> but he loves his peers and so one thing that has been really cool to watch over the years especially as they've gotten older is those boys are going to make friends anywhere that they go and so they have themselves made a slew of friends from camps and conferences and stuff which is really cool to see just at their age I mean they're only nine and six to see them already kind of developing that skill to meet people wherever they go. Temple, how would you describe our kids? Well, they're older now, sorry. Well, yes. <laughs> I think I, I saw a lot of that in our kids. Our kids um, learned how to speak to adults very early on. Mm-hmm. And they had kind of um, a poise about them, being able to introduce themselves to just about anybody. Even as they went to college, they were able to handle introductions to people kind of more so than some of their peers, I think, at the time. They kind of, they have a lot of wisdom there. They've learned a lot being um, ministry kids. Not all of it has been the best that they've had to learn, but they've walked through it and they've um, learned how to turn to God in it. The big thing about our house is that the big joke growing up was that as a pastor's kid and a counselor's kid, the whole conversation was that you, you talk or die in our house. And the questions are, how do you feel about that? And what do you think somebody else feels about that? And what did God think about it? <laughs> and so they had those questions their entire life. And so they were able to kind of bring that into adulthood. And now they're fabulous adults that can handle themselves in a myriad of different situations and um, that they find themselves in. And they're just, they're just incredible people. Yeah. I think so too. 
we're we're big fans of our kids and you know and we say we have two but i guess technically we have three because we have a daughter-in-law that we love dearly she's she's wonderful well let me ask though that's the positive things you know that's the good things but as a as a family that's in ministry as a you know husband and wife team as you know as a student ministry worker's wife what has been difficult what has been some of the hard parts about that uh, so i think getting left behind a lot i think we're not as I don't want to say because our our church family is incredible, but I think I think sometimes that all pastors' wives, but especially the student pastors' wife, kind of gets just left in the shadows. And not that I need a constant "Hey, I see you," but sometimes I need that. Sometimes I need to know that our church family has my back and that they see us and that they see that the work that Chris does and how much of a sacrifice that can be for our family at times. So definitely that, and then I think just that we're a family for people to understand that yes, Chris's job is ministry. And we like to say that it's, it's a lifestyle ministry. And so it's, it's not a nine to five. And so it looks very different than a typical job. But at the end of the day, we still have a family union and we still have a responsibility to disciple and raise up our boys. And Chris and I have a responsibility to um, take care of our marriage. And that sometimes the church isn't the most important thing that the family is as well. I think the first thing that comes to night comes to mind for me is Friday nights. You know, all I don't know, you know, how many Friday nights within our marriage that we've actually spent together. And so that always being and Friday nights is just kind of a symbol for all of it. But a lot of youth ministry is at night. And so that means that Dan is away somewhere, especially when I had littles, of course, you know, as the kids age, this changed quite a bit, but, um, being gone at night when I'm trying to, um, maintain at home could be really difficult at times trying to keep everything together. When, when all I really wanted was like to just have a date night with my husband, that didn't happen a whole lot when, um, we were in the midst of really active ministry. And then there was a period where I was a bivocational pastor plus working a full-time job like, you know, many of our listeners may be. And all, all those things just get crammed together and you're trying to figure out what to do and how to, to make it all work. And so it can be difficult. And I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, I, I feel like um, I know we're at a great place, a great church that we love. So, and I, th- I believe you guys are in the same same sort of situation. You, you're a place where, with people that you love and you care about. So this isn't a slight on our churches by any stretch. It's just some of the realities that you face as families working in ministry. And so, Chris, do you have maybe a question for the two ladies? Uh, yeah, you know, um, sitting here thinking uh, in in this similar way. You know, youth pastors have certain stereotypes that that we get pegged with. And I'm just curious from uh, to hear from you guys. Are there certain stereotypes that that would that would be placed on on you um, as youth pastor wives? And have you seen those kind of come out from the church or from just different people once they find out who you are and what uh, your husband does or just where you are in life? 
Well, inside the church, I cannot tell you if I heard it once. I heard it 10 times of, oh, that's just temple. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that wasn't ever meant as an insult. It was just that, you know, I'm, I'm with the youth and I'm having fun with the youth. And Mm. maybe that looks um, a little different than what you expect a 30, 40 something year old woman to act like. So I would get a lot of, oh, that's just temple. Or I would say something that that sounded more youthful than the, what it was expected to come out of me, I guess. And yeah. um, I would hear that. And so that's kind of been just kind of a running joke yeah. throughout um, our 30 years of marriage. You know, Dan's always been the stereotypical nerdy pa- student pastor. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just got to look. <laughs> I don't think that anyone ever really thought of me that way. I was much cooler. <laughs> I don't know if I have, I I think I'd be the last person to know, honestly, if there was a stereotype of me, because I largely don't pay attention to that kind of thing. Um, I learned very early on that what other people are saying about me, I don't always need to listen to that. (laughs) So I kind of started cutting that out pretty early on. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard or felt stereotyped as a student pastor's wife. I mean, of course I've heard all the things with, you know, Chris and him as a student pastor and all the stereotypes that come along with the student pastor himself. But I don't know. I don't, I haven't ever, I haven't ever felt that way. And I'm probably just similar to Temple. I just don't listen. I mean, I am who I am and I'm Chris's wife and the student pastor's wife and we love the teenagers and that's about it. I think I can see more ways that people have talked about how I don't fit the stereotype. Right. And that's, I would say that I don't fit the mold and I don't fit the stereotype. And I, um, early on when Chris and I were dating, that was something that was always on the forefront of my mind was I had stereotypes in my mind of what I thought a pastor's wife should be like. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that is not me. Like I, I'm a little too much of a firecracker to be pastor's wife. I don't know that if I can be the stereotypical, like what we think of is maybe passive and sits quietly on the front pew and just, you know, has a sweet, sweet, sweet spirit. Um, that's not me. I'm loud and I'm not afraid to talk to people and have fun and be crazy with the rest of them. So I agree with that temple. I'm definitely the opposite where I feel like I don't fit the mold of any stereotypes I'm the opposite. Well, yeah. and I also didn't have the typical, like I wasn't raised in church. And so I didn't have the, the upbringing that when I, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand about ministry because it had never been a part of my life. Right. And that's kind of, you know, I I was, uh, I'm glad you guys have said that. Uh, Well, let me just ask it a different way. What do you think are some common, but maybe silent expectations Mm. from the church on not just a youth pastor's wife, but just a a wife of a minister, um, of a pastor, right? What are some of those common silent expectations that that come your way I think maybe not a not so silent one is I can't tell you the number of times that I've had um, people come up to me and ask me to tell Chris something or ask Chris to do something and which is is fine but also I'm not his personal secretary and I don't want that to sound like mean and derogatory but I don't know Like if they come to me and ask me to tell him something, I don't know the conversation that they've had. And so just kind of that expectation that we talk about every little single ministry detail, which in reality isn't the case. I mean, we do talk about a lot, but he talks all day long. He talks to our people all day long. And so when he comes at home at night, 
we're together as a family. And just like, I don't spill about every little detail of my job when work is over, work is over. Um, and so that's been an interesting thing that I don't think that I expected is people just expect me to know all the inner workings of his brain and what he's got on his schedule and what he's doing. Um, and I think another one is that we're just okay with them being pulled in different directions all the time. And that that's just, um, something that we have to, I guess, quote, deal with. Um, and that's the life that we chose. Um, when, when reality, like there's a really fine balance of that, of, going to all the events and all the ball games, but being at home with your family as well. And so that just, that kind of silent expectation, well, he's the youth pastor, so he should be at every student event that ever existed and be at every ball game and all the things when in reality he needs to be home with us part of that time too. So I'm confused. I thought you were were my personal secretary. (laughs) I mean, I have begged for this. I would love to have a desk in your office and do all the things for you so I could be in your bubble all the time. He keeps rejecting me. Well, that's a way that Sydney and I are different. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded awful. I'm really jealous. He hasn't, we have a church intern now and Chris, he's mainly with Chris and he's got like his own desk in Chris's office in the corner. And I'm just like, so jealous. I've been begging for that for years. I want to be the church intern so I can hang out with my husband all day. Back wow. to you, Dan. Let's, <laughs> oh, wow. I want to hear Tipple's response to your, those expectations question. A couple of things kind of came to mind. I think the biggest one is when people speak to me or they'll speak to Dan they automatically assume that Dan and I are going to share those confidences and they're kind of surprised when they find out that we don't. So just because someone tells me, um, invites me into their confidence doesn't mean that I'm going to go and tell Dan. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We had a, um, made a rule a long time ago that if somebody tells me something and they don't want me to repeat it, I'm not going to repeat it. And Mm. neither is he, but I think everybody's kind of shocked to find that out. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was, due to the nature of my work and also sometimes to the nature of his, we had to kind of make that rule early on Mm -hmm. um, and both of us be okay with it. Um, I think that some things have kind of changed the years. I don't know if I've seen the church change through the years or if I have changed through the years, probably the latter, but I don't feel the expectations of the ministry wife as much as I used to. So when I first got married, you know, it felt like everybody expected me to be musical and everybody expected me to play the piano and everyone <laughs> expected me to always want to stay home with my kids. And, and everybody wanted me to be happy about being called Mrs. Dan Carson. <laughs> that was for some reason, that was a big thing for me. I am not Mrs. Dan Carson. I am temple. I am my own person. And I kind of felt some, <laughs> some real, um, just taken away of my identity that I had to kind of struggle through. I think that as I become more settled into, I don't know, maybe just myself and just, you know, going through the stages of life that those things largely feel unimportant to me now, but boy, they sure did feel important at the beginning Um, and the beginning of our marriage. And they were everything. And there were many times when I would come home just crushed because I felt like I wasn't living up to someone's expectations or, um, even worse, in my field, we have something that we call um, unspoken rules, and they can be really 
difficult in family life, and but they are alive and well in a church. And an unspoken rule is just something that someone holds very dear, dear to themselves as truth mm-hmm. about how you should act, how you should behave, except it's never actually communicated to you. And you largely don't find out what these unspoken rules are until you break them. And then when you break them, it is a very big deal. And oftentimes it feels at least for a time, um, irreparable. Yeah. I remember we were probably two years into our ministry at Garrett and Carson was two years old and I was pregnant with Elliot. And I just remember being so devastated because Chris and I have always been, um, a a team in student ministry and it's never been like that's his ministry and I'm not a part of it like we have always been very upfront with each other that and me early on I love students and I always no matter what ministry's in he is in I want to be involved in it because we're we're partners in life and so why would we not be involved in ministry together and I just remember with a dear dear friend who has been a mentor to me I was very large and pregnant with Carson and we were sitting at Chick-fil-A and he was, or I was pregnant with Elliot and Carson was playing and just started crying and telling her how devastated I was that we were in a season of life where I just couldn't be involved with our students as much. I was sick with both pregnancies and I just had littles and we were about to bring another little into our home and just remember the weight of those expectations that not necessarily other people had put on me, that I felt like other people had put on me, but I'd put more on myself that how dare I not be involved in every aspect of Chris's ministry and her just pulling me to the side and lovingly telling me your ministry right now is to disciple those little boys. And for those little boys to see Jesus in your home and just remembering that being like such a weight lifted off of me and kind of breaking not only that expectation that I felt like other people had of me, but it really kind of broke the barrier for other expectations that I felt strongly really early on in our ministry. And so really thankful for, for her just for her being very blunt and honest with me and telling me to, I mean, she kind of just told me to, to get over it in a loving way. Um, but, and I know that kind of goes a little bit off of our question, but it just brought that to mind. And, and so to the other student pastor wives out there that are in a season with littles and toddlers, like it is hard and it is hard to not be involved in your husband's ministry. I mean, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't in that season, not as much as I wanted to, um, that your responsibility is those, those children, and to lean into that and discipling those kiddos and seasons change. I mean, our boys are older now and I'm back much more involved in our student ministry. Um, so just wanted to leave that encouragement there that you just go through seasons in your ministry when you've got kid, little kiddos at home. Well, let me give the two of y'all an opportunity to speak to two different groups. First is any, just any church member out there that's, that might be listening, and we're appreciative of all our listeners, whether they're in student ministry or not, but what would you say to to your average church member about ways that they could treat you better or help you be what God wants you to be in this part of your life? I think for me, the first thing I think of is um, for people to have grace towards ministry-wise um, in, in their own seasons of their own spiritual development. You know, in an ideal world, we will all become closer and closer to Christ all the time, but that's 
that's not reality. Reality is that sometimes in our life, we have seasons where we feel very close to Christ. And there's other times where we don't. And there's times when we are into this, into studies. And there's times when we are busy and with children and activities and, and we don't have as much time to study. So um, just being gracious towards that and not um, in any way shaming that person for for maybe not knowing all the answers that you would expect them to know, or just to give them grace to walk their own spiritual journey because no one's spiritual journey looks the same. And we have times of ebbing and flowing, just like we have times of ebbing and flowing in our marriage. And so reality is, is that if you come and speak to someone in a time when maybe they are feeling kind of like that, that idea of that dark night of the soul, that if you're just in a place spiritually where you're struggling and then sometimes inadvertently someone can place shame on you for not being the, at the ideal spiritual plane that you're supposed to know everything and all the answers that I think to give people grace for where they are and not to have expectations that you hold too dearly for that would be kind of the first thing that comes to mind. That's Cindy, good. you got one? Yeah, I've got I've got two that kind of come to mind, and the first one is, um, and these are both things that our church people, our church family, they just do really really well um, for us, and so not really a like this isn't more of a I wish they would do this. These are things that they do well, and that I've just come to love over the last. I mean, almost ten years that we've been there. Um, but one is encourage their marriages. One thing that our people do well is all of our pastoral staff, they're encouraging of the marriages and they, they ask how we're doing. And they, I mean, just simple things like we've had church members call and say, Hey, you guys go on a date. We'll watch the kids. And so things like that, that just lets us know that they're on our team, that they're on our team more than just Chris's ministry, but they're on our family's team as well. And so the other side of that is, we just have incredible families in our church that love our boys really, really well, because I know I've heard stories. I mean, this has never been our experience, but of pastors, kids in general, kind of, you know, getting thrown to the side because there's the pastor's kid. And I feel like there's much more of a stereotype on pastor's kids than there is pastor's wives for sure. But there's specifically men in our church that they just take their time to get to know our boys and get to know what they love and who they are and go out of their way to say, Hey, like for instance, this morning, Elliot loves foxes. That's like his favorite animal in the whole world. And um, a member of our church came up to him today and said, Hey, look what I saw driving down the road the other day and showed him pictures. And so just little things like that, I feel like goes such a long ways for our kids to know that, our church sees them and that they care about them and that they see them a part of our family and Chris's ministry as well. Um, and it just blesses my heart. So um, if you're a church member out there, take an interest in your pastor's kids. Uh, it'll go a really long way. Tibble, anything else? I think that we've had kind of, we've had those experiences, but we've also had the experiences where our children have been really hurt through church. Um, sometimes, Inadvertently, sometimes um, it doesn't feel quite so inadvertent. And I know that as adults, our children have really had to repair in their own lives and um, feel like neither one of our church, our kids ever felt like they needed to leave the church. Um, but one especially 
felt like he could not return to a church where we had been Mm -hmm. previously. And at the time, you know, we're so busy doing ministry and we think everything's going well and our kids are not talking to us much. And sometimes we don't find out about these things until later and uh, find out how devastating that can be in our children's lives. And then as parents, we go through all the emotions. We go through the the anger and the grief, just, just the denial, all the stages of grief. We're going through them as well with our children. And um, how thankful I am that our children were be able to able to get beyond those things. That did not really come from us as much as that was just the grace of God that yeah. in their lives that they are both very active in their churches. Um, our son's on staff at a church himself and um, in a ministry in there. And um, our daughter is just busy in lots of different ministries, but that could have really done a lot of damage. And um, I think through the grace of God, it did not. And they were able to grow through those things. All right. Well, you've had a chance to talk specifically to those church members, the church congregations. What about youth pastors? What would you say to them that might help them better understand their situation? Because, you know, guys, general rule, we're a little dense. Sometimes I'm more dense than others. But what would you say to youth pastors and student ministry workers saying, hey, do these things that will help your relationship and help your wife? I think one thing that I think of immediately, because I don't think that we did as good of a job communicating about this at the time as we probably should have. And that's when our own kids were teenagers in the youth ministry. And I actually look at that time as for myself, that was the most difficult time that I ever had being married to a youth minister was when my own children were in the youth group. Um, And it wasn't, I don't think it was any obvious reasons like coming down too hard on the kids or not coming down hard enough, but just seeing our kids trying to individuate, trying to be themselves and figure out who they are, but they never could get away from mom and dad. And so I remember we had this one gentleman who really took an interest in Riley and really mentored him. And that was one of the best things I think that could have ever happened because he took him away from us because our kids need to have separation from us. And when you're the youth minister and you're the youth minister's wife and everywhere you go, you're always there. That can be quite a difficult time for us and for our children. And of course, our kids don't get away with anything because we see it all. And I don't want my kids to make a lot of mistakes, but I feel very strongly that that kids should be allowed to make mistakes and they should be allowed to make mistakes when they're in my home because I want to be the one who helps them repair from the mistake. I don't want them to be perfect and then go to college and make all the mistakes when they're out of my home and I no longer have any influence with them. I would rather them make the mistakes while we're there to help guide them through that. And that's a little bit harder to do, I think. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I just that was just mm. such a difficult time. Sydney, what would you say to youth pastors? So I would say before you even get into student ministry, and this probably ebbs and flows, but find out what your wife loves about student ministry and where she enjoys serving and where she doesn't enjoy serving. Chris does a great job of that. Like he knows hospitality is one of my spiritual gifts. And so where it's not his favorite thing, it's my very favorite thing to have students in our home. And I don't want, that isn't, that sounded bad. He likes having students in our home too. I just mean, I would have them here 
all the time, 24 seven, not 24 seven, but you know what I mean? I would have them here constantly. I love it. I love feeding them. Um, and so he knows that's one of my strengths is like, if there's going to be an event, it hurts my heart. If he's like, let's just get pizza. Like I want to cook for them. And he just really leans into that. And so he doesn't even question me anymore. He knows how much joy that brings me. And so he doesn't even say, well, let's just get pizza. Like if I say, I'd really like to cook for this, then he, he does. Now the flip side of that, I don't love going to sporting events. Um, just because of the stage of life we're in with littles, like it just stresses me out. I can't enjoy it. I'm more worried if they're going to fall off the bleachers or if somebody's going to snatch them or whatever. And so he never makes me feel guilty or has never has an expectation. Sometimes I do join him, but I never feel from him. Like you should really be all these things with me because I'm there. Like, and it's, it's good. And so I would just encourage student pastors when it comes to their wives, like figure out what they love and figure out what they don't love and communicate about that often. Um, because I know it helps strengthen our marriage where I don't feel like he's got these crazy expectations on me and vice versa. Um, and I'm like, I'm fine with him going to all the sporting events, go have fun. One of our boys loves to go cause he knows there's going to be snacks, but that's just not my jam. <laughs> and I think the opposite of that is that I, I don't think hospitality is my spiritual gift. In fact, I kind of sometimes get nervous having a lot of people in the home um, because I just, this is just where I want to just kind of like, it's always been a hub for us, mm-hmm. but I love teaching and I love being one-on-one and making relationships. Some of the sweetest memories I have of youth ministry over the years is those connections that I've made, especially with some girls that um, that one-on-one, we had these groups that we would meet every week and um, our relationships would deepen. And to this day, those relationships are still a very sweet thing. Most of them are married and have children of their own. And we still call each other occasionally and still have a connectedness that is that kind of lasts through the years. And so we always joke that we, we don't have grandkids of our own, but we kind of have youth ministry grandkids. <laughs> and that kind of feels pretty good sometimes to be able to... <laughs> to say that and, and to be able to feel that connection that was that started in seventh grade. Yeah. And just to ha- see that develop through the years. I, um, I really value those relationships. Yeah. That's one of my very favorite things is, I mean, I get close to girls when they're in high school, but it seems like when they become adults, our relationship just always seems to deepen and grow. And so there's multiple girls that have gone through our student ministry that just as they've gotten older and come into their own lives and adulthood that we've really gotten really close and some of them are are now my best friends which is just the sweetest thing so to all you student pastor wives out there like lean into that and while you may not enjoy them as much when they're in middle school um, (laughs) wonderful it's wonderful to have lifelong friends um, when they become adults from the kiddos that were in your student ministry any other words of advice you'd have for youth pastors? I think the biggest thing that a youth pastor or anybody can do for their marriage is just to love their wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say that because I have, I'm married to someone who loves his wife well, but, and I've always felt very fortunate that way, but sometimes we can get so caught up in what we're doing that we forget the relationship. Yeah. And that relationship always has to be central to your lives because things are going to come and go. And we used to tell our kids this all the time. The kids would come up to us and say, which one of us is your favorite? And I'd always say, dad's my favorite because you're leaving. 
Just tells the boys the kids knew all their lives that dad was my favorite. But that's the thing is like people come and go in our lives, but it's your spouse who is there. And so that needs to be a central relationship in maintaining that because marriage is not easy and it's, it's work and it takes grace and it takes forgiveness and it takes a lot of things, but just to maintain that relationship with your wife and um, to make that a priority, even in the busy seasons. Yeah, that's, and that's good. And I think like, since you mentioned busy seasons, that's one thing that, I mean, we've had to get to this point. It always hasn't been like this, but that we communicate like, Hey, we're coming up on a busy season and our relationship's going to look maybe a little bit different because of that. But talking about it on the front end um, and just preparing each other and knowing that we're going into that season that, you know, we may not be spending as much shoulder to shoulder time as we're used to has like really helped us as we walk through that because we're early on in ministry and marriage, I would be like, Oh my gosh, he's gone all the time. He never has time for us. He doesn't care about us. You know, just those intrusive thoughts that weren't the truth, but now being almost 11 years into this thing, when we just sit down and talk about it up front, like I see you, this might be a season of passing in the hallway, but we're going to get through it and we'll come out stronger on the other side. And we'll have a whole lot more date nights once we get over student ministry summer. <laughs> so just, con- I think just at the end of it, I mean, at the, the key to all, all any marriage, whether you're in ministry or not, just communication, communication. And yeah. I think it's important for husbands um, that are student pastors, you know, and with all marriages, but, to, to really, to ask their wives, that's something that Chris has always done a good job of is just kind of a check-in like, Hey, how you doing? Like, are you okay? Are we okay? Not that things are bad, but like just having the open-ended conversation of me feeling safe enough to go to him to be like, Hey, you don't really realize it, but you've been gone, you know, a lot of nights in a row. And I think it's, it's a night that you maybe need to stay home with us and not, and he doesn't get like, puffy and puffy and like, well, I'm just doing my job and I don't feel like I've been gone that much, but being able to have that open communication with each other is just key. I think in surviving student ministry and being married in student ministry. Well, that's good. Thank you, ladies. I know that you, I'm sure you have plenty of other things you could tell husbands. You could probably just turn to each of us and just come up with a list, I'm sure, but we're not going to share all of our dirty laundry here. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let me ask you, Chris, uh, any other questions you might have for them that would be beneficial for the youth pastors and student ministry workers listening? I don't have any other questions. I, I just I appreciate the, the transparency that both of you have shown and what I kind of hear you got each of you saying, um, and it sounds kind of cliche, but it's just how important it is to to be yourself and to be who God created you to be, to be to own your own personality, to not try to fit into a particular mold that others would expect you to, or that even, that even maybe you have, uh, that you think is expected of you, um, and those kind of things. And so I I just appreciate that. I feel like that's a, uh, that's a wise word. And so thank you for, for sharing that and so much more, but no, I I don't have any other questions right now off the top of my head. I probably could come up with some, but we might just have to save that for the next time they're on our podcast. You bet. You bet. And they have shared quite a bit with us tonight. I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for your wife, what they, they mean to us, to, to this ministry, even the podcast for the willingness to say, Hey, 
you go record that. Um, it's been, it's been so beneficial. Um, our, at our student ministry workers retreat that we have each, uh, fall temple has been by my side. And so if you're able to come to that September 16th, uh, you'll get to meet her and maybe Sydney as well. It just kind of depends on her schedule and Chris's schedule, but I'm so thankful for these ladies, um, for the wives, for the, the mothers they are, and uh, just look forward to many more years of ministry with Temple. And so I just want to say thank you, ladies, and thank you, listeners, for everything, for listening, for continuing to serve and to, to care about those students. And we'll keep doing all these things because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.